quickly before we get into this episode, I wanted to announce that this marks one year of us producing the Small Business Mastermind. I want to give a huge shout out to everybody that's been listening, engaging, sending comments to us and leaving reviews on your favorite podcast apps. It really does help a lot and I can't wait to see where this next year takes us. And now on to the episode. And it just makes that purchase process that much easier. So we kind of remove a lot of decision fatigue out of out of the equation to make sure that we can get the customer from the landing page to the shopping cart as, as quickly and efficiently as possible without, you know, creating too much confusion. You're listening to the Small Business Mastermind, a podcast created to help small businesses juggle business, finance, health, and wellness. I'm your host, Morgan Berna. The Small Business Mastermind is brought to you by Olympia Benefits. To learn how you can save on your health and dental costs, visit olympiabenefits.com. Before we dive into today's topic, I want to give a shout out to a listener who sent in some great feedback. I want to thank Sarah from Hendrickson Black, which is an accounting firm in Alberta. Their website is hendricksonblack.ca. Thank you, Sarah. Hello, and thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the Small Business Mastermind. Today, we are talking to Brighton Udy all about branding and specifically how a small business can leverage branding to help them stand out in a crowded, saturated marketplace. We also go over how a more complicated product or service can alter their branding to make it as simple and easy for a consumer to understand as possible, and overall just strategies to help you take the customer along the journey to conversion. This episode also includes some common mistakes businesses make in their branding and what Brighton would suggest to improve those and correct them. So this is a great episode to just reevaluate how you're branding your business, whether you are the business owner and employee that works in this. It's going to be a good episode for you to just take an overall look and I hope you really enjoy this one. I'll be checking in with you again at the end of the episode. Welcome, Brighton. Thank you so much for joining us on the Small Business Mastermind. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. It's going to be fun. Brighton Udy is an entrepreneur, marketing, and branding coach, and thought leader based in Calgary, Alberta. In the winter of 2012, Brighton made the decision that would forever change the trajectory of his life. Having spent nearly his entire life chasing a dream he thought he wanted, becoming an NHL goalie, he decided it was time to move on. In 2019, he made a similar decision to move on from his second dream of becoming a country music star. After having multiple top 40 singles at country radio, being nominated for multiple Canadian country music awards, and playing in front of thousands at the largest country music festivals in the country, Brighton decided it was time to focus on his most important dream of all, being the best husband and father he could be. Although success was achieved in both hockey and music, there was something that was missing, his ability to live a life true to his authentic self. Brighton has since dedicated his life to his third passion, which is business, and is focused on helping small businesses create cohesive brands and clear marketing strategies by leading his brand coaching company, At Heart Branding Co. When Brighton isn't working with his clients, he is spending time with his beautiful wife, Kimberly. So we're going to be talking all about branding today, but before we get into that, you have a pretty interesting career history. Can you tell us a bit about yourself and how you got into branding? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I think my, uh, like you said, my my background and my story is a little unique in the sense that uh, it, it wasn't always strictly down the marketing path. Uh, for me growing up, I always wanted to be like an NHL goalie. Like when I was a kid, that's what I thought I wanted to be when I grew up. Um, and then I, you know, when I was playing some some junior hockey, I decided that that really wasn't the path anymore. And, and, uh, and the two things that I really wanted to try, and I was also passionate about was, was music and business. And so the first two things I did when I decided I was going to hang up the skates was, was go to, go to business school. So I went to Mount Royal university. And then the second thing I did was buy a, uh, a ticket to the Canadian country music awards, which were in Edmonton that year. And I'm in Calgary. So it was easy to to take the drive up to Edmonton and, and get my feet wet in the, in the music industry. And that's honestly kind of where I focused most of my time for the last five or so years. And, um, you know, was fortunate enough to, to kind of get together with a really good friend and, and build a, a, a duo, a music duo called leaving Thomas. And I mean, we, we had some, 
some success at radio, had some top 20, had a top 20 hit, had a top 40 at country radio, were nominated for a couple uh, Canadian country music awards and stuff like that, toured around the country. And, and, uh, and all that time, I was able to actually implement everything I was learning in university uh, in, in the marketing world um, into my music and the project with Leaving Thomas. And um, I was able to kind of control all the branding, all the marketing, all the social media, all the content creation, and really apply what I was learning in the classroom into, into real life. And, um, you know, about, about a year ago or so, um, I had the same uh, feeling with, with music that I did with hockey and decided to, it was time to, to move on from that and, you know, wanted to be, be home a little bit more with, with my wife. And as we, you know, look at having kids here soon, it was just kind of one of those things that wanted to prioritize that. But honestly, now, now it's translating into helping other artists, um, kind of help, help them implement their branding. But, but also now we've been working with some, some small businesses around the country and it's been, been a lot of fun to be able to, to kind of, you know, use those skills and that experience and that knowledge, uh, in a new way, helping, uh, helping small businesses really optimize their marketing and, and create consistent and effective brand strategies. Absolutely. And I'm not sure if I had mentioned this on our call, but we have a, a sort of common background in music where I used to run a music blog and do interviews right, with yeah. all Canadian musicians and stuff. So it was kind of neat. And I, from a lot of my experience with that, that's what made me more interested in marketing and more interested in um, the podcasting and all that yeah. kind of stuff. So Yeah, that's awesome. It's yeah. it's amazing the the synergies between the music world and the business world, especially from like mm-hmm. the industry side, especially with marketing, like half oh, yeah. of the music industry is marketing. You have to make the yep. music and it has to be good, but then you need to get it out and in front of people. So oh, if you can't a, market, it's, you can be the best singer and ex- it's impossible. <laughs> it's the same thing with business. You could have the yep. best product in the world, but if nobody knows about it, then it just, it's just a, it's a trinket on the shelf. So. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Yeah. So with before we kind of dive into your more specific branding tips, yeah. could you give a couple examples of companies who either changed or edited their branding where you were able to see some significant results? Yeah. Just give a little context for for sure. How this works. Um I'll kind of give I'll give I'll give two examples. So so the okay. first one is is for me kind of firsthand a small business out of Saskatoon um that they sell AEDs. So those are the little defibrillators that are on the wall at the grocery stores, uh, gyms, uh, hockey arenas, all that kind of stuff. And, and when somebody's giving somebody CPR because they're in cardiac arrest, having an AED actually helps. Um, it skyrockets the chances of that person surviving um, if they're in cardiac arrest. So working with a, a company like that, it was amazing to be able to, to see that they're actually saving lives. But that industry was so convoluted and confusing because they're communicating, the entire industry is communicating in a way um, that they're expecting their end consumer, the safety officer (laughs) that's been assigned that job in an office, um, to, to know everything about AEDs. That's what their expectation was. And so... For me, we went in and and did a complete rebrand, um, and from top to bottom, we we worked on their aesthetics to make sure that it was contemporary and and forward looking. I mean, that industry is is very far behind from in that standpoint. So we updated their logo, but then we updated their messaging and their story and simplified the way they communicated the products that they sold and completely revamped uh, the way they were positioning themselves and their products um, and then translated that into their website and their print collateral and uh, and everything else. And it's it's been amazing the difference to see from where they were before, um, almost being like a necessity somewhat of, you know, a safety manager had to go find an AED and do all the research themselves to allowing us to do a lot of that work for them and making it an easier experience, um, for them to kind of go through that. And that was the main objective for, for that, for that client. And so, uh, it's been really cool to see AED advantage, uh, AED is kind of around, uh, the, the, the West. Um, and now we're really focusing on trying to, trying to push them nationwide and making that experience as, as easy as possible. So, um, you know, that's kind of a, a firsthand experience, but I mean, on a, on a grander scale, I think one of the best examples is McDonald's. It's surprisingly enough. Um, in the sense that, you know, when supersize me, the documentary came out, they were public enemy number one, like everybody totally. was trashing McDonald's and going, you know, it's, 
they are the cause for obesity in, in the United States. And um, mm-hmm. how can we have, you know, so many o- o- obese people around because they're supersizing their food and all this kind of stuff. And for them to step back and do the rebrand that they did, where now they're more of a cafe to an extent, like they're branding themselves yeah. as, as Mick Cafe. Um, that's what a lot of their commercials and messaging is. Um, their their drinks and their pastries and, and the more comf- comfortable seating areas have really kind of started to change that dialogue. I mean, it's taken a while to, to turn that ship because it's such a mm-hmm. big ship that they have to turn. Um, and although they didn't get rid of the golden arches, um, and, and the aesthetic is, is relatively the same, um, the experience and the messaging and, uh, even some of the product offerings that, that they've, that they've shifted within a rebrand has definitely been a, uh, a successful change from, from my perspective, from a branding side of things. And a lot of health messaging too, I see. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and to, and to see that, you know, the, they have salads and stuff. And I mean, obviously we've all, all heard the stories about how <laughs> wonderfully calorie packed those uh, salad dressings are, Yeah, but still it's kind of how, how they're structuring, how they're positioning their food, I think has totally. definitely been a, a, a good shift for, for that company for sure. Yeah. That just made me think this so off topic, but on like skip the dishes and stuff, you see all the calories for places like McDonald's, but not a lot of restaurants yeah. do it. I don't know if they have to do it, but I always thought that yeah. was interesting and I did not know how bad fries were. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We don't even want to talk about the McGriddle. Uh-uh. That's, that's, that's one item that stayed on the menu and it's, uh, it's, it's definitely not good for the arteries. <laughs> <laughs> so as a company, how do we establish who we are? I mean, this can be, I imagine this applies for a new company, but also a company that's been around for a while. Cause you can, you can operate your business for a long time without ever really diving into this super deep. Yeah. How do we establish that? And what does that consist of? Yeah, it's a really, really good question. And it's, it's one that I had thought about for a long time. I'd always been so passionate about how a company or a business can make you feel a certain way. Um, and really that's, that's branding and at its essence. And, when we're when we're talking about how a small business can can really establish who they are and be in control of that, um, I always like to use the example of of envisioning your business like a person. So, if you think of what your business would say, or how they would act, or what their values are, or how they would dress, what they would look like, it's a lot easier to comprehend and understand um, how to really brand your business successfully. And so. To your question of how do you really establish who your business is, um, we have a a framework called the Brand Clarity Framework that we use um, that establishes three core pillars of really uh, uh, your brand from a person standpoint. So the first part of that is, is the brand spirit, and that's really the why, the perfect customer, the superpower. Um, the, the, the things that really make your business unique and, and kind of the intangibles, um, and almost the desired reputation that you're really wanting your, your business to have. The second part of that, of that, uh, framework is really then translating that into a personality that a perfect customer can engage with. So that is establishing a consistent voice, um, kind of character traits. Um, you know, there's, there's a intangible difference between a McDonald's, like we were just talking about and a Wendy's, they, they feel different. They communicate differently on, on their social media channels. And so that's kind of the personality of the brand. And then finally, that last pillar is really the story. So that's kind of your communication framework, your messaging framework, um, and, and really kind of starting to invite your perfect customer into the story of the brand. So for us, that's, that's really the formula that we use to make sure that we can establish a consistent outcome of, of who a business really is and, and start to, to personify the business as its own entity versus, you know, just, just a, just an organization that, that punches out widgets or, or, you know, uh, fulfill services and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. That just made me wonder who, who kind of establishes this persona? Would it typically come from, you know, the business owner? Would it come from a marketing team, an outside branding team? Yeah. 
I, I mean, I, I think it depends on the organization and especially it depends on its size. Um, mm-hmm. Me personally, like I love working with owner operator businesses because they are, they, they are their business. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of the time, kind of the business is an extension of themselves. And why I love working with them is a lot of the times, even for me, I think everybody's the same way. If we are too close to something that we really love, it's hard to see it from an objective perspective, right? It's hard to see it in the way that everybody else sees it. So that's where, you know, I come in and I'm able to kind of help coach them into establishing what those, what those key messages are, um, establishing their why Mm -hmm. and really kind of help clarify, um, those, those components that, that make up their brand. But I mean, if you're, if you're talking about McDonald's, they've got, uh, they've got a, a, a massive team internally that's going to get to steer that ship. Um, and they may even bring some, some external, uh, you know, agency or, or what have you kind of into the mix to, to help steer that ship for sure. Mm-hmm. And then this also goes into things like you said, your why. So mm-hmm. what you want to be known for, um, what makes you different, those types of things as well. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, that's honestly the, the crux of it. Like if we, if we get the why down for our business, a lot of the other pieces start to fall into place naturally. Um, one of my favorite books of all time is, is, uh, called man's search for meaning by a gentleman who was a Holocaust survivor and a world renowned psychiatrist. And he, he pretty the essence of his book is really that if we have a why to live, then we can bear with almost any how. And I think that plays into the business world perfectly in the sense of we're going to have times like COVID-19. Like we're going to have tough times that really push us to the limits. And if we have a strong enough why for, for our business beyond, you know, a monetary gain or anything like that, and, and there's, there's a deeper meaning to what we're doing each and every day, then it just makes it that much easier to to push through those hard times um, and also makes it more worthwhile in the good times, right? And so that's where we start. And then once we have that clear that clear why figured out, um, then we're able to, to start to put all the other pieces into place um, and really kind of grow the brand beyond just a, a company that, that uh, you know, sells a product or, or provides a service. Yes. And on the episode that's going to have come out right before this one, we talked to a social media expert. So it's really the expression of the brand at that point. Yeah. And absolutely. a point she was making was that companies that have that really strong brand, when the hard times have happened, they're able to pivot and change their messaging online, change maybe what they're offering without it changing yeah. what the business is completely. They still seemed familiar to the clients. They still seemed like recognizable. They just we're like, okay, well, we can't do this anymore, so we're going to shift, and it felt natural. Absolutely, yeah, yeah and and that's and that's the thing. It's I always say that the number one rule in branding is consistency, and even when there's changes and and uncertainty in the marketplace or in the world, if if you can be familiar and consistent with how you're interacting with mm-hmm. customers and how you're interacting with your audience, um, that just continues to build that that desired reputation and that's really what branding is at the end of the day we're wanting to be known for something we're wanting to be known uh for how we treat customers um and and, you know the the quality of our products and and Mm -hmm. all those things but if if we can do some small consistent actions on a daily basis from from a communication standpoint customer experience standpoint uh we're definitely going to be uh, a, a few steps ahead, if not more from, from our competitors for sure. Absolutely. So yeah. let's talk then about how you find and express what makes your brand different from others in your space. Yeah. So this is really the superpower portion of, of the brand clarity framework. That's kind of within the spirit of the brand. And, uh, I'm sure Many listeners have have heard of uh, Jim Collins' best-selling book, Good to Great, um, where he talks about this concept as kind of the hedgehog concept. So he explains it in the in the way that if the lion is the king of the jungle, then the hedgehog is the king of the forest. No matter how cunning a snake or or cunning a fox, 
um, the hedgehog is going to defend himself in the exact same way, which is rolling up into a spiky little ball. That is what the hedgehog does better than any other creature in the forest. And we want to find what that is for the company. Um, we, we use a, a Venn diagram to kind of answer a couple questions within, within that uh, kind of vein um, to really help kind of figure out what the, the client's perfect uh, you know, superpower is. Um, but once you kind of know what you do better than anybody else within your industry and, and you start to figure out why your brand is is the right company to pursue the why that you've established earlier, um, then you're able to really start to differentiate yourself and lean into that one thing. I think, um, you know, this kind of goes back to everything. In branding, I think a lot of, and, and marketing in particular, I think a lot of small businesses focus way too much time on the mechanics of the marketing. So that's, you know, what time to post on social media, what type of content to post, how many posts, you know, you do a day, yep. how many, you know, billboards that you have up, like all the mechanical things that, that are tangible and you can actually um, kind of check the box off mm-hmm. is a lot of the focus. But we need to pull back a little bit and focus on, on, on the spirit, like the meaning of what we're doing, why we're doing what we're doing. Um, you know, what type of value we're providing within, within the context of the social media post, um, or, you know, what type of value are we providing within this type of promotion or sale, um, that needs to be first and then implement kind of through the mechanics. So, um, Mm -hmm. have uh, understanding what the superpower of that, that organization of that brand is really helps amplify the the mechanics and make sure that they're actually implemented properly, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, the companies I follow that I have, I've developed this attachment with because they have such a strong personality. I don't really care how often they post and when they post and those types of things. It's more this connection that's been made. Right. And I, I found that tricky just working in different companies over the years doing marketing you can post and you can create all this content, but if it isn't clear, yeah, what your business's mission is and who you're trying to help and all that, it's, it kind of just feels like you're shouting into a void at a certain point. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, for sure. And, and if, and if you're just posting for the sake of posting, like people can see through that. And, um, that's where I feel like we have so many messages as business owners thrown at us every single day that you need to do this, you need to do that, you need to do this, you need to do that. And it starts to become overwhelming and, and you start to go, well, I have to post on social media. I was like, you don't. Like there are so many businesses out there that don't have a social media account that are doing really, really well, but they're doing some other things really, really great. And if they had a social account, they could probably grow their audience even more. But, um, you know, needless to say, it's just a matter of... of figuring out what is right for the organization and making sure that the implementation of that brand is, is in line with, with the overall brand spirit and personality and making sure that that's all consistent. Yeah. So on that note, then say we are at a company where we have a larger team working, um, or even just a few different people, we maybe have the owner posting and then they also have someone helping with social media or something. Mm -hmm. How do we keep this voice consistent across channels yeah. yeah. What do you suggest there? It's a really good question. <laughs> it's tricky. <laughs> um, it is. I mean, if you, if you, again, if we go back to the, the brand as a person example, every individual has its own voice. You know, you have your own voice. I have my own voice. Every listener has their own voice. Um, we talk a certain way. Our cadence is unique. Uh, the verbiage that we use is, is often unique. Um, and so, we want to make sure that the brand is speaking with one voice through every single channel, which is hard, especially like you said, if we, if we have somebody on social media, we have somebody else writing email campaigns, we have somebody else writing press releases. Um, all of those mediums need to be the same voice. So what we use is called a, a voice filter and that this is kind of where we start to, to translate from the spirit of the brand into the personality and within that personality and within that voice filter, we just have a couple words in four boxes. And, and those are, you know, character and persona, uh, the tone of voice, the language used, and then the purpose of each communication. So every time something is created, 
you know, we want to make sure that the the character and the persona of of the of the, the voice of that communication is the same. Same with the tone of voice, um, and the the language should be consistently used. And it's just a it's, it's just a reference point to bounce back and go. You know, if if you have three people writing three different types of communications uh, each week. You know, they should be referring back to that voice filter each and every time they write something just as a final proof before they they actually publish that to make sure that it is as consistent as possible. Obviously, it's not going to be perfect every time, but um, kind of having a, a, a guiding light for for what that communication should should sound like um, is, again, another great way to help build some consistency within within the outbound marketing that uh, that a business is is implementing. Yeah, that made me think of how a lot of the times we'll just look at if it's good copy or if it's an interesting tweet or if the design Mm -hmm. for the Instagram graphic looks good. But that's a good point that instead of just looking at, is this good? It's instead, is this us? Like, is this our voice? Would would this company say this? For sure. And I think, you know, uh, an, an exception to this would also be if you are writing a email campaign. So if you have a lead generator campaign, uh, kind of set up, I would, I often recommend making sure that that's coming from an individual person. I mean, we get, we get bombarded by so many, you know, emails every single day that if it doesn't come across as personal and it doesn't come across as if, as it's coming from one person, Mm -hmm. um, then we kind of tune out and just mark as read and move on. Um, but if it's, you know, to the recipient writing from first person and then signed by whoever is writing that communication, whether it be the CEO or, um, you know, the, the, the marketing lead, whatever that is, um, then that's the exception of, okay, then that can be from that individual's voice. But if yeah. it's, if it's just coming from the company and it's just coming from the brand, then that should be consistent, uh, across the board. Mm-hmm. And again, lots of like the top players, in a lot of industries, that's what they're doing. You can very yeah. clearly tell that it's them just by the yeah. way they write stuff. I mean, like Wendy's tweets are so famous exactly. at this point. Like, exactly, and that's and that's why I, I brought them up in you know comparison to McDonald's. Or I mean, mm-hmm. we're even talking about fast food a lot, and I'm getting hungry. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's around lunchtime. <laughs> it is. It is. Um, but you know, like a, a McDonald's versus A and W versus um, you know Wendy's. Like Wendy's yep. is so satirical, and they're so yep. on edge, and they're always like kind of poking fun at people. And um, I mean, the the Vegas Golden Knights and Carolina Hurricanes, kind of from the the NHL and the sports world. Like they're mm-hmm. also really great at kind of like poking fun. And if something's happening in the moment, their tweets are so engaging and hilarious and noteworthy. Mm-hmm. That, yep. uh, you know, that it's something that people start sharing and engaging with. So, but it yeah. is definitely because of their, their unique voice that, uh, that they kind of get some more recognition than yeah. other brands. And there's companies I've bought from too. say it's something new I'm buying online, especially over this last year, I've been exploring online shopping a lot yeah. more. I was never that into it. And <laughs> we had no choice. <laughs> it felt like a slippery slope and it is. <laughs> yeah, it <laughs> is. That's all right. But, uh, when I would, try to buy from a new company, their branding was a big part of it for me. Cause I would wonder, well, if something goes wrong or if I don't receive my package or something, is this going to be a company that's going to be friendly to deal mm-hmm. with, or are they going to not really care? And that comes across a lot in, if they're heavy social media users or anything like that, I found yeah. that helps me make Yeah, it's a really good point. I mean, it's all those kind of weird subconscious boxes that we try and check off in our brains before we actually place an order, right? It's, Mm -hmm. it's all the objections of, "Ah, they don't look like a credible company, so I'm not going to place an order and bounce off the page or they don't look like they're going to have really great customer service if I have an issue. So you bounce off the page and go somewhere else. Um, it's, that's a lot of marketing is, is the unconscious stuff. And so, I mean, that's, that's where you need to definitely take a really close look at what that customer experience is like and make tweaks um, from a brand level uh, to make sure that mm-hmm. you kind of overcome all of those subconscious objections before uh, somebody actually places an order for sure. Yeah. Are there some common mistakes you see done with branding? Yeah, <laughs> there are. <laughs> um, it, it's, it's funny. I think from like a simple level, um, the, 
in, in the aesthetic world. So I think what a lot, a lot of times when people think about branding, they think about like their logos, their colors, like their typography or their fonts that they use. That's, that's a part of it for sure. Um, and I see actually many businesses using different logos at the same time. So, you know, you see one logo on one poster and then you actually get to an event yes. and they use a different one and it just, that doesn't line up. Uh, they don't actually use consistent colors. So they're not using like the hex codes that are associated with that color everywhere. It's just, they're going with yellow, but it's a different type of yellow everywhere. Um, they're using different typefaces, right? So they're using like Helvetica on one poster, but then you're using like times new Roman on their website. And it's just like, that's an easy way to build some aesthetic consistency. So creating a, a consistent aesthetic is definitely one simple mistake that I think a lot of, a lot of small businesses can overcome. The other is kind of the third step in the framework, which is the story. I would highly recommend every small business owner read Building a Story Brand by Donald Miller. It's an incredible book that really talks about how our brains are programmed to consume information. And he talks about how our brains are really trying to help us survive and then thrive. And so they're trying to conserve calories. And with over 3,000 marketing messages that we're bombarded with every day, we need to make sure that we kind of cut through the noise with our own marketing messages. So the way that we do that is by inviting the customer into our story. So instead of you telling a story about how your grandpa started the company and you've taken it over, Unfortunately, nobody cares. <laughs> and really what we need to be talking about and, and building into our story is identifying and, and letting our perfect customers know that we know the problem that they're facing, that we have the solution to help them overcome that problem, and that once they work with us, that their life is going to be that much better. And that is really kind of the average arc of any story, any movie, any book is... There's, there's a perfect customer, which is going to be the hero of the story. They're going to have a problem or an obstacle that they need to overcome. They meet a guide that helps them overcome that obstacle. And then, you know, obviously they kind of have their, their happy ending more oftentimes than not. So that's really mm -hmm. the other mistake is that I see a lot of small businesses focusing too much on we're so great. Our company's wonderful. This is why you should work with us yep. instead of going, Hey, I understand where you're at, exemplifying more empathy, and then building out a, a communication based on inviting that perfect customer into that story. And I think if most business owners or employees working in this, in this field listed their favorite companies, a lot of them, they wouldn't know the origin story of any way. They'd be like, oh, yeah. I like this company because it makes it easy to file my taxes or something. Exactly. <laughs> and, and, and we're, we're selfish creatures. Like, yeah. and that's, you know just how we're built is we need to look after number one, which is us. Mm -hmm. And so obviously we care about, you know, the people around us and our loved ones. And, and we're wanting to make sure that our families are, 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 you know, also surviving and thriving. Um, but we don't have the capacity to care <laughs> about how the company was started. I mean, if there's some yeah. great story kind of hidden underneath that, and that's something that's delivered, on a tertiary basis, not even a secondary basis. It's like, mm -hmm. you know, you're going to solve my problem in this way. Great. It's going to make me feel this way. Great. Oh, and that's the story of kind of where you came from. Cool. But mm -hmm. that needs the, the customer needs to be front and center, not, uh, mm -hmm. not your brand. Even when I go to new websites to check out new products, if I click the about page or like the about us page, I yeah. usually expect to read something along the lines of, this is the problem we saw and that's why we did it. Yeah. And then if I just read a story about the company, I'm usually like, oh, I'm just looking to figure out what you're going to do for me. Yeah, <laughs> it's very true. Websites are a really great point too. Like that's, that is nine times out of 10, the first step in implementation that I work with, with clients. And, mm -hmm. um, I mean, it's, it's your home on the internet. And yeah. what's interesting is, that honestly, that's actually probably another brand or small business mistake that I see from a marketing perspective is there's way too much writing on websites, like way mm -hmm. too much. Yeah. Um, we scan websites like we don't have the attention span to, you know, read a novel every, mm -hmm. every, every section of your website. So, um, 
just again, making sure that you, that you identify very clearly what problem you solve, how you help your perfect customer and clearly state that as your first header when somebody lands on your page. Um, that's going to make a massive difference in, in the, uh, engagement rate on your website because they'll actually know what you do in milliseconds of, mm-hmm. of loading your website. Yeah. And that's actually a perfect segue to the next topic, which is services or businesses where it's a little complicated what they do. Yeah. Do you have suggestions for, or just some branding tips for them? Um, yeah. I've seen this just over the years where it's like, it takes us paragraphs to explain what we do. <laughs> so <laughs> what would you yeah. do? Yeah. <laughs> It, what would I do? Um, honestly, it's a matter of just trying to dumb it down as much as possible. I, th- I think a lot of businesses think that customers need to know every single detail, but they don't. Like like we just talked about, it's, a, it's making sure that they know what problem you solve for them. They don't need to know the 37-step process in which you get from A to Z. They just need to know that you can do it. And so, especially with, with products and services, I think it's really a matter of just simplifying the communication. Um, I think all of us business owners, experts have a level of, of, um, you know, the curse of knowledge in the sense that if on a scale of one to 10, 10 being the absolute expert and one being an alien that's never heard of anything before, we typically communicate at like an eight or a seven with you know, people that we're meeting or trying to, to sell products to or services to, we're conversing on a seven or an eight level, which is way too high. We honestly need to be at a two or a three. And we need to simplify all of that down, um, you know, using acronyms or industry jargon, all of those things make it way too confusing for, for that end user. So obviously your product and your service is super great for so many reasons, but you need to narrow that down to, to make it really simple. Um, and AD Advantage is a perfect example where... Yeah, I was thinking that. Yeah, where we had a product that <laughs> reading these manuals, it is absolutely hilarious of like, it tells you how many jewels of shock it's going to deliver to the heart. And nobody in an emergency situation needs to know how many jewels are going to be pumped into this person. All they need to know is that it's going to be done safely. That's all they yeah. need to know. And so that's where we actually have, over the last month, gone through the, the owner's manuals of these devices and created a quick start guide. That's, that's the only thing that they're going to look at when they open it. It's a bunch of pictures, you know, a little bit of text to you know, explain what, what the different features and, uh, mm-hmm. and, and buttons and indicators actually mean on the device. Um, but all the nitty-gritty fine print, we, we left out. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I mean, we even went down to creating, uh, kits based on industry, um, so that instead of an individual landing on a website, feeling like they don't know what AED to pick or what, you know, package yeah. or, uh, or carrying case to pick, we've pre-picked it for them. So if you're a farmer, this is the one you get. If you're a small business, this is the one you get. If you're mm-hmm. a gym, this is the one you get. And it just makes that purchase process that much easier. So we kind of remove a lot of decision fatigue out of out of the equation to make sure that we can get the customer from the landing page to the shopping cart as, as quickly and efficiently as possible without, you know, creating too much confusion. Yeah, absolutely. That's yeah. something we've done actually with Olympia here because it, it can go into a lot of different topics when you start talking about health and taxes and money and all that. So what we did was create different, um, guides basically based on how much, how much depth you need. So you can download a beginner's guide. That's everything you need as the individual gets you started, or you can get an accountant's guide, which you would send to your accountant so that they can kind of get a full image of it. Yeah. And I've done that with other companies in the past too, things like creating yeah, a more complicated landing page or not, depending on how much information that person needs. Exactly. And, and you know, if you have multiple segments, you know, we always talk about the perfect customer within the at heart kind of brand clarity framework context. And mm-hmm. obviously we, we have multiple customers. I mean, at heart has multiple customers um, in different segments, but 
being able to focus on one, you're going to, by default, kind of get to the rest of the, the market. But like you said, if you, if you have specific pages for specific um, you know, customer segments, it's going to make it so much easier for those individuals to find the information that they're looking for. And uh, it, it makes a massive difference. So that's, that's awesome to hear that, uh, that Olympia has mm-hmm. been kind of figuring that out and uh, you've been guiding them through oh, yeah. that. That's great. That was a fun thing coming to work here was seeing how much they've thought about simplifying everything from yeah. before I was here. So that's great. Cause I, I think like that, I'd be that kid who takes a class and I leave and I have like a two sentence summary for a yeah. four hour lecture. <laughs> I'm like, all right, this is all I needed to know. <laughs> exactly. But that's, so. that's how our brains work, right? We, yep. we only store information that is going to help survive and thrive. And if we spend too many calories trying to figure out everything else, then you know, we're just, we're not going to retain that information and it's just mm-hmm. not going to stick. So. Absolutely. So how often would you recommend a company updates their branding? Is there a time frame you have in mind? Is there a metric you would look at something that's distinctive to indicate it's time? Yeah, it's a really, really good question. Cause there really is no hard and fast answer. Um, it's very dependent on the business, the industry, um, and also the amount of time that's gone by. I think in McDonald's case, the one that we've been coming back to, um, it was something that they needed to do right away. It was almost an emergency situation to an extent where they had so much bad PR going on that they needed to make a change. And they obviously didn't change their logo or anything like that, but they did change the strategy and the approach that they took and the customer service um, you know, approach that they took. And so, I mean, that's, that's one example. If there's a, if there's a crisis situation and you really need to make a big change, then that's one. That's a reminder to more than just aesthetics. Like look at all the components you've talked about today. Yeah, exactly. Um, or if, uh, if your aesthetic is starting to feel a little bit outdated, like, you know, if we're thinking about the brand, like a person fashion trends come in and out and it's the exact same with design. Um, the, if you think about your house, like, you know, the white subway tile as a backsplash is so trendy right now, but will it be in, you know, 10 years? So uh, things change, aesthetic, uh, aesthetics change, um, design changes. And I mean, Pepsi went through a rebrand as well, where, you know, their, their little squiggles, their red, white, and blue squiggles kind of went from straight horizontal to kind of like tilted and turned and made it look a little bit more contemporary. Um, that's another time where you start to go, ah, are we a little bit outdated? But honestly, I think the most important one is if you start getting feedback that your customer experience or, uh, you know, your communications or your aesthetic is not really resonating with your perfect customers or that just, you can start to feel that, that dissonance between what you think is, is working for your brand versus what is actually working for your brand or what, unfortunately what isn't working, then it's probably time to step back and, and take a, a, a closer look at, at w- what yeah. steps you kind of need to take, whether it is an aesthetic rebrand, whether it is kind of the, the spirit personality, meaning systems, the story, the messaging, um, it's just kind of there's there's no you know timeline but uh obviously it's it's definitely just kind of stepping back and making sure that uh that you kind of see the forest from above the trees and and get a better idea of of kind of what the experience is like for the perfect customer because that's the most important person at the end of the day is is Mm -hmm. your customer it's a good reminder to look at more than the aesthetics and to look at the customer because for certain companies they have old websites from like early 2000s that are still really working and it works (laughs) for their audience and their customers and all that but yeah it can be very easy to just see that oh everyone's changing to this font now so exactly and honestly (laughs) like the best example of of like a website that aesthetically is not really that pleasing but is incredibly functional is amazon yeah it is not it is not fancy Mm -hmm. it is not super good looking but it is built for conversion. Yeah. It is built to make the experience of the customer's purchase incredibly simple. Um, 
And so that's yeah. definitely something to think about is that you could have the fanciest website on the street or on the web, on the web. <laughs> but uh, if it's not functional and helping your customer, it doesn't matter. I realized I don't even think I really know what Amazon looks like because I'm so just, I'm just there to yeah, get something and, exactly. and get it done. I don't even really pay attention, but now I'm going to take a look. <laughs> but that, but that's your expectation going on on that yep. site, right? That you're going to find what you're looking for. It's going to be at yep. a good price and it's going to be simple to check out and you're going to get it in a day. Like that is honestly, you know, Jeff Bezos says that he obsesses about the customer and not the competitors where I think it's very different for small businesses. They often are trying to reach kind of the, the premier brand in their industry or in their market instead of really obsessing about the customer and making sure that their experience is incredible. So yep, those are yeah. great points. The last one I have for you is about this idea of authenticity in brands, which has been, you know, big buzzword over the last few years. Mm-hmm. I feel like through this last year, that's come up a lot more, at least over the social media space with people really wanting to support brands that are quote unquote authentic and showing their values and all that. But, you know, if you're a small business, there's kind of just you and maybe a couple people working there. How do you portray this and, and what does that really mean? Yeah. I mean, I honestly named my company at heart because of, I think a lot of inauthentic marketing. Like I, I wanted to make sure that our brand was, was helping other small businesses really build authentic brands, um, and authentic marketing. Like you said, there's, there's, it's definitely been a buzzword recently, but for me, I think one of the biggest things, especially for small businesses is, is just being comfortable with where you are right now and communicating that. I think a lot of small businesses feel like they have to pretend to be more than they are right now, or they have to pretend that they're bigger than they are right now. And to me, that's a really big mistake because you're missing out on an incredible opportunity to be relatable to your perfect audience and kind of share the journey of where you're at. I I don't think there's anything wrong with being a one person shop, a two person shop and, and showing that and sharing that and, and kind of going behind the scenes and going like, this is what we're working on and this is the progress that we've made. And as you begin to grow, um, your audience will begin to grow and they will kind of see you from the beginning to, to not the end, but you know, to, to, from the beginning to, to, you know, your, your growth stage. And so I think that's definitely the best, the best way to kind of approach that is just to, to think about, you know, it's just be confident with where you are and know that it's, it's, it's the journey. It's not, you're not going to go from startup to billion dollar valuation and overnight. So it's just making Mm -hmm. sure that, that you just stay true to who you are, stay true to your brand spirit, stay true to your brand personality and your story and, and, uh, and make sure that you kind of have those things structured because it can be that much easier to, to be authentic and relatable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Being honest with where you're at, it's a great point. Um, it makes me think of some tech products I've purchased in the past mm. where their website makes it looks like, look like they're quite a big business. And then when you start needing customer service or something, you realize it's like one person running it and that's totally fine but it does give a different image and it just is a different experience. Yeah. And it, you almost feel lied to, yep. right? Like, like it's, it's, that's not what you want. No. <laughs> <laughs> that is, that is not the, uh, the, the outcome that, that you're looking for. You really want to make sure that, uh, that you're just truthful. You're honest. You're, mm-hmm. you're positioning yourself as you are and, and people will be a lot more understanding. If you say that you're in the beginning stages, they're one of your first clients or your first customers, um, you know, you, you better be able to, to help them and and guide them kind of through that, but also let them know that that's where you are and they're going to be that much more understanding and supportive Mm -hmm. of somebody who's trying to, to start something than, than trying to deal with like a big company that actually isn't a big company. So Mm -hmm. yeah, comes down. It sounds like a lot of this is coming down to simplicity and just being kind of as simple as you can to make it as easy as possible yeah, for people who are just bombarded all day by marketing. Absolutely. And, yeah. Absolutely. Um, we, you know, I kind of developed a, a little, you know, uh, acronym for, for trying to make sure that you're implementing a, an authentic brand and, and authentic marketing, which is, 
heart. Like, so it's an acronym for heart. And, and really the first part is, is being honest, right? Just making sure that you're not lying in any communications. Um, you know, the, the E is for empathy. So making sure that you're kind of being empathetic with your customers. Um, the A is authentic. So what you're saying is really true to who you are and your, and your spirit. R is repeatable. So, you know, you want to create marketing messages that can be shared and other people can repeat the first time that they've heard it. Um, and, and T is for transformational. So you're wanting to make sure that the, the marketing messages that you are sharing are explaining the transformation that your perfect customer is going to go through. And referring back to that definitely helps with the implementation. Um, so when you're on social media or creating a content campaign or whatever that is, just reflecting on that and going, are we hitting all, all, all of those pieces within the heart model that, uh, that really kind of create a, a authentic piece of marketing for, for our brand. It, it makes a big difference. Yeah. Yeah. I really like that. Yeah. This has been really helpful. I hope that this gives our listeners a chance to maybe take a look at what they've been doing with their branding and give for them sure. some more levels Absolutely. to look at. Is there anything we haven't hit on here that you'd want to mention or do you feel like we've got it? <laughs> no, I think, I think that's great. I mean, if, uh, if anybody is, is interested in kind of learning more about, uh, about at heart and the services that we provide, um, I'm actually, uh, currently offering kind of a free consultation call with anybody that's, that's interested in kind of div- digging a little bit deeper into their branding. Um, well, that's great. and they can find that on our website, which is at heart.co. So, mm-hmm. uh, and, and, you know, you can find us on social media and all that kind of stuff, but, uh, everything is on our website at, uh, at heart.co. So, yeah. Yep. And we'll have all that linked in the podcast description. Perfect. I want to thank you so much for all this, Brighton. That was really helpful. And if anyone has any more questions for Brighton, look for those links and sounds like you've got lots of experience to share with people. Absolutely. Would love to, would love to chat. Thanks so much for having me, Morgan. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the Small Business Mastermind. I hope this one was helpful for you and gave you some ideas on ways you can maybe shake up the branding at your company or business. If you're looking to get in touch with Brighton, all of his contact information will be in the podcast description. And as a reminder, if you would like to subscribe to the podcast, which guarantees you're notified every time a new episode goes live, you can do so by visiting olympiabenefits.com podcast. For anyone out there that's listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, I'd really appreciate if you took a moment to rate and review this podcast. That helps us get the podcast out there and be able to bring on great guests like Brighton. And so that's everything for this episode. Thank you again for tuning in, and I will be talking with you again very soon. Bye.